welcome to the November 30th edition of the RPD Dispatch. This is episode 7. On today's podcast, we'll have PS3 News interviews Capcom's European Head of Communications, Ben L. EB Games Australia leaks Resident Evil 5 special and limited editions for PlayStation 3. Capcom wins their Dead Rising copyright lawsuit. And our evil interviews Roger C. Smith, who portrays both Curtis Miller from Degeneration and Chris Redfield in Resident Evil 5. Amazon starts taking pre-orders for Resident Evil 5 guides, which includes a collector's edition version, and Degeneration gets a release date in Europe. Biohazard 5 and RE5 demo is announced, and Biohazard 5 also gets an earlier release date. ECAT compacts pre-orders for exclusive limited edition of Biohazard 5, and Shinji Mikami won't be caught playing it. And finally, GamePro's January issue has a huge spread on Resident Evil 5. All this and more on today's episode of the RPD Dispatch. Finally, you've made it. Shall we begin? Certainly. Coffee? Cheers. Now, about this woman we've captured. Ah, yes, of course. Does she have a name? Yes, she does, but uh, I'm not going to tell you. Bizarre, but okay. There are more important things to get to. Yes, now, you see, the first thing I've done is taken all her clothes off. Why would you want to do that? So I can uh, put my probes in her. (laughs) Is that a, uh, a euphemism? How I wish, (laughs) but uh, unfortunately, no. As you can see, I put these probes in her. But you haven't put them anywhere that the clothes would be covering. Surely taking her clothes off was unnecessary. Too late for small details, okay? Let's talk about the big picture. Okay, so tell me, why have you done this? You remember how we made her whole life revolve around us, and how then she hated working for us, and she secretly tried to betray us by planning on stealing and selling incriminating documents and access codes. And then we gassed her and made her go with the commandos into our hive and she saw unspeakable terrors which will no doubt scar her for life. Right before we attacked and captured her. Exactly. So I figured that the best course of action now is to give her superpowers. What? Why? Think of it this way, dear friend, okay? I mean, it's not as if she's going to come after us and make us pay for what we've done. You sure about this? What if she does? Don't worry, she'll be so distracted having fun, riding motorcycles through windows, running down buildings and using her super kung fu powers against deadly monsters, that she'll completely forget about coming for us. Are you sure that will work so well? What if she eventually does come after us? Easy. We'll just capture her again and turn her into a robot. A robot? Yes, a robot. Are you sure we have the technology to do that? How about we try and turn her into a robot? I mean, it it won't matter anyways. I mean, by the time she's captured again and changed into a robot and the next film is budgeted, written, filmed, and released, they'll be long forgotten and totally ignored. Uh, To be sure, we'll also give her the ability to uh, manipulate the fabric of space and time 
and she'll be so distracted by this, she'll never come and find us. I mean, imagine what you'd get up to if you could make things levitate. Hmm, you've nearly convinced me. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, listen, okay? Here's the clincher. We'll turn her into a robot, we'll make her a master of space and time, and we create a whole clone army of her. What? Think about it, okay? Just think about it. She'll want to go shopping with herself, go to the beach of herself. She'll never want to come after us. You're a genius. How about lunch? Okay, your shout or mine. Mine? How about we go to the hollow log? Splendid. Hollow log it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of the RPD Dispatch. For this week, we had our members watch Resident Evil Extinction and Resident Evil Apocalypse, both movies by Paul W.S. Anderson. I am John, better known as Dot50Cal on the boards. I'm Chris, better known as Alzair. I'm Gene, better known as the Selfish Gene. I'm John, better known as Mr. Spencer from Project Umbrella. <laughs> and I'm Rob, better known as Romby from Resident Evil Fan as well. Okay, so Extinction, I guess. Or no, no, we'll start with Apocalypse, I guess. So uh, I'd seen this on Blu-ray. What did you see it on, Chris? I watched uh, Apocalypse on DVD. Uh, Gene? DVD. John? I watched the Blu-ray version. Rob? I watched it on DVD. Okay, so... Um... Apocalypse, as you know, takes place uh, not long after the original film, where Raccoon City has been overwhelmed by a zombie outbreak, and Extinction takes place several years, we assume, after Apocalypse, where the world has been overrun by the T-virus that was initially an outbreak of. Raccoon City. Right, so... It's about five years, I think, that seems. It was a couple, because I know that Kmart girl yeah. said that she, they found her a few years back. How bad is that, yeah. Kmart? Okay, well, let's let's not get into that. Let's stick with Apocalypse now. So, of course, we have on this one Matt becoming Nemesis and stalking Jill and Alice, I guess. So, um, what were your general thoughts on the film? I guess Gene will start with you. Oh, okay, I'll... I'll first I'll say that I really like the first 20 minutes of the film because in, even in those first 20 minutes it did one thing which the first film didn't try and do which was to have sort of I call it slow exploration scenes like where Jill's going through the church and you know you get the silhouette shot the long shot yeah and it's you know really quite intense and, and then she finds the priest and his sister and all that which is it's bizarre, but you know, it's. I think it works for the film, and I'll also I'll give it some credit where, I think she's walking through the church, and the bloke's hand grabs her and pulls her into the confessional box. Yeah, and that was it. That was like a, it, yeah, it was a cheap scare, but it was one you didn't see coming, so it was effective. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, I thought I, I thought the first twenty minutes of the film were actually quite good, and then of course Alice enters, and then. Sort of, it, and then the film becomes action above all else, including story, characters, plot. And yeah, I'd, I'd have to just agree tap- on that. It tapers off from there. Uh, but I did like the fact that they tried to do something more game-like with the tenseness, which is actually quite noticeable at the beginning. Yeah, I really like the um, the homage to Resident Evil 3's intro with the RPD officers like making their last stand and everything. I thought that was pretty good. But one but I- one thing I didn't like is when Carlos just comes in from. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he just dives off with a bungee yeah, cord. It's very ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. It'd probably snap his spine. Yeah, no doubt. 
because he stops instantly. And he would. Uh, and if I, if anything, it would bring down the chopper too, probably with that much weight going down. I mean, a lot of momentum, yeah. It, it'd give it a big jolt, I'd guess. Yeah. And the fact that he, you know, he stops an inch before the ground. Speaking of Carlos, has anyone ever noticed about Carlos, his actor, his ears are upside down? (laughs) I think me and John discussed that, didn't we, when we were watching the uh, the extinction? I'm not one to... His ears are upside down. I'm not really one to comment on people's appearances, you know. I am. (laughs) (laughs) But if I can just get back to... um... Carlos, you know, he's got perfect aim as he flies through the air, shooting stuff. Yeah. It also, it's ridiculous. That's what I said. It becomes action above everything else. And just, there's a point, it's never really explained why the UBCS are in Raccoon City. They're just yeah. there shooting stuff. And there's no reason that Nemesis is running around. If you, if you remember, Nemesis is running around, then they give him the instruction to kill stars, and then they change it to kill Alice. But he, he's initially just walking around right, for fan service. That's right, you know, he's yeah. not there for any reason. It's really baffling well, the, from an out, the, for an outsider, I guess. The, the guy from Umbrella lets him go, but yeah, there's no explanation. He just kind of initiates the project, and that's it. I guess maybe he would be there to try to reclaim Alice, because it did seem like he was the main fo- she was the main focus, because you know, when they see her, it says, you know, changes parameters or whatever. Well, at, at the end, he—he's—I was gonna say—at the end of the movie, he's trying to work out which one of them is like the better weapon. Yeah. So. For sure, they could have done that somewhere else. Not. Well, I think it was a—you know—it was a good opportunity for them within all the chaos and everything. They wouldn't really have police forces paying attention to those two battling. Oh, yeah. You know. But. It just reminded me of a schoolyard brawl, like you know, they chuck their stuff <laughs> on the floor. Yeah, the, the kung, kung fu, fu fight at the end, it, just the hand-to-hand, it was really bad. Because, especially in the game, Nemesis, he looks like a brawler, and he's fast. Yeah. And he's threatening. He just sort of clumps around and... I'm gonna get you. It's almost B-movie in quality. Uh, but I suppose that is the objective with Resident Evil. I kind of like I kind of like the chaos of the city, though. It really painted a nice... Uh, set piece for action and everything, you know? Like, with the with the Nemesis coming with a minigun and everything, it was, it was you know, lots of parts were kind of lame and everything, but there's one thing you can say for the movie is there's a lot of action in it. That so Asian reporter with the gun, she deserved to die because she didn't fire it. Okay. Cowardice, that is. <laughs> Cowardice. Just thought I'd throw it in there. Alright, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. I see. The thing is, I think yeah, that helicopter thing is is stupid, stupid, stupidness. But the stunts on the movie are actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, you know, for an action movie, the stunts are surprisingly a little bit more different. Like the wall run and like all that sort of stuff. I really yeah, like. Only see those sort of things. Yeah, I really liked it too when Nem- when Nemesis was chasing after Alice in the uh, building, you know, and she had to shoot through the uh, shoot and everything, and then he launches a rocket down there. It really makes him seem like he's really relentlessly after her and everything. But he didn't run after her. Yeah, he didn't. I guess didn't they think yeah. like she was dead after that, or I don't know. No, no, no. no. But I mean, just he just walks <laughs> down the corridor, and, <laughs> and like, and, and even there's a bit. I think I think it's a bit before where Alice just leaps the fence. God knows how. And then Nemesis also does an equally fantastic, super duper, you know, massive leap. Yeah. And he smashes the car on the roof. But I mean. So he can't walk anywhere, but he can jump like Spider-Man or something, you know? 
Yeah, that <laughs> seems kind of funny. Yeah. I think Especially when you get the impression to, When they throw in Nemesis, it's like they... They had no real idea about what it was, nor did they care. They just threw him in because he's an icon of the series. It's an icon of the series... Uh, we'll just keep throwing these icons around. Well, they People knew, know what they mean. They knew he was coming it, in from the first, from the end of the first movie. You yeah, know? but he didn't feel like he didn't feel like the character. He didn't feel like it was Nemesis. It just felt well, like he wasn't an image of I Nemesis, the icon. The problem with that was he wasn't chasing after Jill, really. I suppose, but as a whole, the film was very superficial. Like they gave, they gave him an actual, you know, backstory. He was Matt and everything. In the games, you know, he's just yeah. this mysterious guy who's been transformed. I think in that Sergei clone. I think in the Hong Kong comics, it, it mentions that he was like a boxer or something. An umbrella <laughs> took him, and it's actually pretty funny in those comics. Uh, the one, like all of Umbrella Corporate's all evil bastards, and there's one guy that just looks like Kingpin from Spider-Man. Like with his <laughs> giant fat rolls. He's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can get back to that, when John was just saying that it's Nemesis in appearance, it's not, it's not true to the character in the game. Yeah. And of course, in in the first film, Anderson got blasted because it was too far removed from the games. And this time, he's tried to do some fan service with Nemesis and Jill, and he's copped it both ways on that. Overall, I liked. I liked most of the things. Nikolai, I think, was the one that I took issue with the most. You know, his character yeah, in the too. game. You know, they sh- they sh- should have added a backstory. They could have had the him being like the uh, a supervisor in this. You know, because then the UBCs yeah. would have a reason for being there. Uh, you know, but there's uh, a subplot at least. Yeah, but don't even. The other thing I have a problem with is Zach Ward is terrible. Who's that? <laughs> his accent is crap. Oh, the. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something, he's no Roger Honeywell. <laughs> Not now, I'm busy. <laughs> Actually, oh, can I ask you guys? Yeah. What, what do you think of the zombie children? Because I know a lot of lot of producers and directors, Romero and I think Mikami as well, said that they sort of, they stray away from that because it's a cheap scare. I, I thought it was fine. Uh, they were in a building that would suit them, although I don't think they'd be going to school during a zombie apocalypse. I think exactly. their parents would get them out and wouldn't be sending him there, so that's kind of weird. Do you think it's unless distasteful, though? Had, any, any of you got? Uh, Romero's done it himself. Yeah, not at all. I don't well, think that's so. what I thought. Nah. Uh, I, I, some people find it a bit tasteless. I, I, it's contextualized, so I'm fine with it. So. Yeah, as long as it's... it's not gratuitous. Can I ask you guys, what yeah. did you think of LJ? Because, like, I kind of liked him. He did have some cheesy crap lines, like, oh, GTA, uh, five points, whatever the hell. I, but overall, he, he, he became kind of likable over overall. Yeah, he does. He was. He's not the worst. It's, it's not bad comic relief, which is good. Like you know, when you get those real bad comic yeah. relief films, he wasn't that. And the other thing I was going to say about that GTA thing, it reminded me because they got that commentary and they talk about it. And I think I mentioned last time is Capcom is the publisher of GTA in Japan. <laughs> yes, that's true. Though. Um, but no, LJ's alright. I think one of his one-liners actually made me laugh. Like, which yeah, one? I can't remember which one. I like when he uh, found out that uh, Carlos was bitten, and he's like, "It's like you should have told me you you were bitten. I've been hanging with you and shit." Oh, yeah, <laughs> I thought right. that was pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, that was, was it? pretty funny. Wait, was it Carlos? Yeah, yeah, Carlos, Carlos got the antivirus. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Um, that must be very effective since he gets bitten again years later. That was right, yeah. 
Yeah, you yeah. would think it would stay in him or whatever. Should. Um, I was gonna say I um, we're going back to that fat nemesis suit in the final fight. The the fight that Alice has before that with like the guards, as she runs down the wall and like smacks them around, they're wearing helmets and stuff. That was actually really really well done. Yeah, like it was really well put together, well choreographed, well shot, and it was really, really good. Said it and you get to this equilibrium. <laughs> but, yeah, true. Um, but it was, yeah. You know, but then you come to that nemesis fight, and it's just, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, just terrible, terrible. Like it's such a contrast. And there's even that yeah. Code Veronica reference where she's running in the helicopter, shooting the building that she's in. Oh, and she drops the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's all kinds of movie references and such. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say that the, I think Gene mentioned it before, but the, the the bit in the church with the priest and his sister is was really good. Like it was the movie needed more moments of basically I guess humanity, you know, because you're in a city with you know all these people, and yet realistically there's no there's not a lot of that shown. You know what I mean? Like yeah. The, yeah. I mean yeah, okay, survivors are limited in numbers, but that kind of element is kind of missing. For like yeah, no. the number of people on the street, you know, yeah, they'll just disappear, and then you don't see numbers of zombies that make up for the number of people that were like on the bridge or anything like that. Did anyone notice when there's shots of like just zombie hordes, they they slowed the frame rate and it becomes choppier? Yeah, I hate. Oh, I, I hate, hate that. when they do that. That's really. I dumb. didn't like that effect at all. It, it just it looks silly. I don't yeah. know why they did it. Probably to hide but, yeah. the poor makeup or something. Probably. The CG wasn't so poor in this one. No, it was competent. It was it was better than the first, definitely. Yeah. Could I, could I kind of, like we said last time that um, with the CG and then we were comparing it to you know actual models and things that they used, say in Aliens with the Alien Queen and things, it just looks so much better because it's real. Yeah. They actually did do that with Nemesis. And yeah, they, I'm glad they did. They it's... fell a bit flat. It could have been a lot worse, but he's still... Um, they, they just didn't get the, the movement of the character right from the game. I think during some scenes he looks rather poor, but others he looks all right, you know? It all just depends on how he's lit and everything. Mm, yeah. Do, do you guys remember the um, tr- teaser trailer? that They used bits of it in the movie for the, for the umbrella, that commercial for the... Oh, with the woman turning into the zombie? Quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you think that they should have, like, they should have had more of that? Because like, you had that opening with the, the news and all that, and they... They, they go to the, where the woman and stuff. They could have put a few random fake commercials in for umbrella products. I suppose ah, like Robocop. Yeah, I think it would have been really... It would have set up like a bit more of a realistic world where Umbrella does, definitely has the control that is, you know, you're told about in the first movie. Like, you know, that, that readout. It says, you know, blah, blah, consumer products, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm. Like, it just... Yeah, it that was such a nice missed opportunity. Touch, that I was a really good teaser trailer. That'd have been a nice touch to have, like you said, you know, like like uh, in a similar vein to RoboCop with these. Uh, it would add a it would add a sense of satire as well. Uh, you know how, like you said, Umbrella has their fingers in every single pie in the city, and they you know it's like they're it's almost like they they own the film itself. You know, breaking in the fourth wall. There, yeah. you might say. You know what I really dislike though the the very end where Alice telepathically murders that guy and makes him bleed out of every orifice. Just uh-huh. at that point I just thought, what the hell is this? You know, Wester's mm-hmm. powers are one thing, but this is something entirely different. Well, I've told you guys what I think about that 
yeah. pretty, pretty much that, that sketch sums up what I think about all that. I was going to say, I mentioned actors before. I mentioned that. Well, does anyone else have... Was there any other actors in there that were real bad that stood out for anyone? Mm, not really. Everyone. I think LJ was pretty good <laughs> in character, anyway. I, I, See, no one, I, I no one say, stood out. Maybe no the, one stood out because they were all equally terrible. Maybe the hooker zombie. She was kind of crappy. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I had... Um, written down this comment about Jared Harris, the guy that plays um, Ashford in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. His talking is always, she's already left for school. Oh, yes. There's one. Bit I'm not where... leaving without my daughter. There's one bit oh. where they're like on, at a temporary sort of helicopter landing site. And like, I guess he's shouting over the helicopter engines. And you can, I guess, but in audio, they've turned the helicopter engines right down. And it just looks baffling. He's standing in front of him, shouting at him, but really slowly. Yeah. Yeah, he he was kind of poor now that you mentioned that. Yeah. It, I, I almost thought it was like, because he was in a wheelchair, he's kind of, you know, he's like, thinking, oh, I must be slightly mentally disabled. I'm sitting <laughs> in a wheelchair. I can agree with his logic. I liked uh, Sienna Gilroy. Is that, is that how you pronounce her name? As Jill? Hillary? Yeah, something Hillary? like that. I liked her, though. She, oh. she seemed okay. But the angle she took on the character was alright. Yeah, it's just... Uh, she didn't really get much screen time as a thing. At the start, she did. In the beginning. Yeah, at the start, not... but then... As soon as, as, as soon as Alice comes, you know, it's just, it just gets silly. So. Yeah, he, she just focuses on her way too much. If, you know... For, for a series that's supposed to be Resident Evil, and you have a, a character that's from the damn games... You know, you expect it's it to Mary focus Sue. a bit more on... Alice character. is a Mary Sue. I can yeah. bet you something now, but if Alice, uh, Miller, Georgia, Bridge, whatever, was not Anderson's missus, then they, they wouldn't happen, would it? No, was... They, they, she wouldn't be on that level. Were they dating by the second movie, or were they married, or what? Of course they were, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would... Yeah, that would get because they met on the first... She was, she was the up the duff film. at the time, I think. I think that wasn't that during the the end of the I think third. It was the third. I think he'd blown his beans up about the time of the second film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if I can get back to that, it feels like Alice and Jill are competing to sort of outcool each other to yeah. be the the lead female, especially in the really graveyard happen. scene where it's like I'm good, but I'm not yeah. that good. Yeah, it's just a bit cheap. It's an awful movie. So overall, <laughs> I was hoping that nobody wants. Kind of, we don't even uh, want to talk about it. They're just kind of like. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think we've still got the two female there. leads. It's two female leads. Any self-respecting male would expect some kind of uh, lesbian sex scene of some kind. This is so getting some cut, kind of... but... Oh, <laughs> did you see? Did cut. Anderson do Mortal Kombat two? I don't know. I don't know if he did the second, but the second one had two of the girls, I think Sonya and maybe Melina, just wrestling in the mud. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, I remember what, that, yeah. What are, was what that an Anderson that, work or not? No, no, Anderson. So you have these two women wrestling in the mud, and then you have Kano walk up out of nowhere, and I love, remember me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if Anderson did that, you know, he's, he's he knew what he was doing once upon a time. But... He would have had his wife doing it. So overall, no. extinct or uh, apocalypse? What'd you think? I thought it was okay. I mean, not not too good. I liked the references that it had, and it had some good action. But I just wish 
Alice got a little bit less, more front screen time, and maybe just give more to Jill or, and like Gene said, you know, get, involve a subplot with uh, the supervisors and stuff from the, the UBCs. But overall, I'd probably say maybe like six out of ten. Yeah, I'd give it a, a B minus maybe. I thought the first half was pretty good, but the second half kind of uh, just went on a different direction that just I don't think is good. I think it was popcorn fodder. Oh wait, I'm sorry, Gene. I'd say if if Aliens is the best film in the world with a ten out of ten, this would be two. John, that's fair. As I've been interrupting everyone else with uh, two words, popcorn fodder. it's the kind of liquid filth that would permeate, you know, the mindsets of today's youth, how they enjoy explosions and and women dancing around in the mud. Or is that Mortal Kombat 2? I don't know. But there'd be just... Mortal Kombat 2, there we go. And then we'd have, like, two... Right, look at You've got two female lead models, right? Both of them scantily clad. Uh, you've also got... That's a turn-on for any 12-year-old prepubescent boy, right? And then you've also got... Um, uh, it's, it's just rubbish. That strong, hulking nemesis that turns uh, on British men named John. Oh, it does, actually, yes, <laughs> Well, to Jill's defense, that's what she wore in Resident Evil 3. Yeah. Yeah, but did she show her vagina? I didn't think so. What? When did that happen in the movie? <laughs> Look at the picture. I Look s- at the picture. John I sent did. him a screen cap. I noticed it, and I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just see that? And I took a screen cap to prove it. And yeah, Hang on. she sort of, of does. Jill. Yeah, Jill. When she does a sweep, for real? she does a sweep kick in the graveyard scene, and yeah, you could pretty, you could almost see it. It's, you know, there's you some can stuff. more or less see her anus. It's not nice. I don't. I don't. No, we're not getting that crude. No. What the? Is it this picture right here? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's the image I, I, I showed to people when they click on my IP address with the proxy AI I was using. All right. This so, John, uh, Rob, why don't you, you get a score out of John? Or yeah, John, just give a, give a damn score. Uh, for a total score, I'd have to give it... Can I give a negative figure? <laughs> is, is that allowed on the scale? No, just or... zero to ten. Well, zero, obviously. Oh. Rob, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't leave room for much for extinction. Jeez, no kidding. <laughs> well, I didn't um, know we were allowed to go negative figures. I only found that out just then. Blow <laughs> my entire review. Just give your general thoughts on it, Rob. Um, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, well, I enjoyed it less than the first film, but it's not that bad. I, I, I'm going to say four out of ten. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll move on into Extinction. Um, so I saw this on Blu-ray, and, you know, it didn't make the movie any better than it, it is. You sound, you the, sound so enthusiastic. Yeah, I am. But one of the <laughs> things that because you can see more of it. One of the things that really pissed me off in this movie is they kill off the main character. That you know, LJ dies, then Carlos dies, and then we're left at the very end with Alice and her clone army. And it's like, where, well, where can we go from here? This is this just going to be out? And Claire. Well, yeah, but she's you know they're gone. They're in Alaska, whatever. <laughs> but j- just, ugh. Sarah Palin's gone now. You know, I. I originally 
definitely seen this on Blu-ray. I didn't even see it in theaters, and I thought, you know, this is a pretty good film. But watching it a second time now, I was like, wow, this really is the worst of the series, in my opinion. Now, I would it's nonsense, agree. isn't it? Well, it, nothing even happens in the damn movie. All it all it is is like it, one big excuse to kill off everybody. They're just it's like, oh hey, we're in, we're all in this convoy now. We're gonna go get gas, and then everyone fucking dies. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no broader picture. The broader picture is Alice is under control, and then she uh, breaks the control. It's like what? But my biggest criticism is that it doesn't continue with things established in the first and second film. Like in the second one, Alice can sense people who are infected. In the third one, she can't. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. In the second one, Carlos is given his antivirus, and now he he gets infected and 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 can someone he, ex- presumably he's going to turn into a zombie, but he just sacrifices himself beforehand. I don't know why you would when you've got an antivirus. Well, you, no, he was showing signs like during that truck scene, he his face looked all you know zombieish, like LJ's kind of, and that's. A- Another thing, LJ was bit like three days earlier or two days, whatever, and like Carlos yeah, and was bit. Within a couple minutes, he started turning. It's like what? No. But even then, they said in the first film, it's like the T virus can change from bloodborne to airborne to waterborne, and then it's sort of, you know, that's really convenient for the plot, of course. But in in the third film, it just feels like you know it's killed whatever it needs to kill and yeah. And what virus? Can, yeah, can someone explain to me how it would dry up lakes and rivers, as said in the intro, and turn the entire world into dust? And not only that, I can answer, I can answer that one, John. Uh, I my theory is that someone on the production team is a fan of Half Life Two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the only logical answer I can give. I, I... Or Mad Max. Yeah, they're Mad Max. Yeah, I was going to say Mad Actually, Max. Actually, speak, speaking of Mad Max, this brings me to another point. Uh, the entire film is littered with film references, you know, uh, references to other films. Uh, first of all, you know, like you said, Mad Max, the entire setting, uh, post-apocalyptic deserts, wastelands. Um, uh, you've also got, like, the... Uh, you know how in Twister you had the convoy of storm chasers... Oh, a similar vibe when the uh, the jeeps were going by and they the convoy and extinction. Radio contact and everything. Yeah, the radio contact and speaking to each other and playing music and that you know. Another one I noticed: Return of the Living Dead Three, when they show that super zombie when they're injecting him, and in Return of the Living Dead Three they have this cryogenically frozen zombie and they pretty much do the same thing to him and he comes alive and of course everything goes bad there as well. Yeah, that's also Day of the Dead with uh, Bub. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and of uh, course, uh, Sarah's appearance, uh, Sarah, Claire's appearance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see what I mean? Claire's Sarah appearance Connor. is, uh, yeah, akin to Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 of the, uh, the, the cap and the glasses. And I think another one you noticed, John, was the rapist family from X-Files, that, I think that episode yeah, called Home. Yeah, you reminded me of uh, the episode called Home. It reminded uh, me a lot of the rapist family from, or not the rapist, but the cannibal family from Judge Dredd. Texas Chainsaw. Get him, no, Paul. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, I didn't. Have you seen see- te- the original, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I think I did probably a long, long time ago. But May, very, very good film. But they've got like a, a family and they capture mm. and do... And then stuff. you've got this super angry undead or... Is uh, apparently the production crew called them suds. How horrible is that? Yeah, 
And of course, they're straight out of your more contemporary zombie films. And how many later. goddamn people yep. can fit into one of those crates? Did you see how many freaking zombies that came out of that thing? <laughs> no, no. And hey! And as I said to John, I just love how they all push to the back at the right time and they all just, hey, hey shut up, guys, shut up, guys. Hang on, she's yep. listening. Hang on, hey, three. There's our cue. Three, two, one, go! <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you know what? Do you, want to, do you know what I noticed? Who the fuck put those z- zombies in jumpsuits? <laughs> Gave them jumpsuits and, and gloves. He wanted to look fashionable. His tests so great. <laughs> oh. it's like, and they're all grey, so they you know they stand out from the main characters. You know, you can clearly see. You know that 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 there is a super zombie. It's in a grey jumpsuit. Shoot it. And I don't know. I don't know if this is like a, a feminist statement, but there was a lot of knives contacting testicles, which made me a bit uneasy. Was there? <laughs> Did you guys notice? No. <laughs> I could is see that. that. One thing lot, I did a lot, notice. A lot of, you know, hits the plums. Somebody so. talked about Mortal Kombat earlier. Guess who uh, played the Texan? Johnny Cage. Johnny fucking Cage from Mortal Kombat. We seen it. He's close. Is that the though? guy he who climbs like up the Essex. Eiffel Tower? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, Johnny Cage. Okay, right. What's that, John? I kid you not. I was saying that... Uh, Johnny Cage's character, his clothes he was wearing, his attire, he looked like David Essex. That's the wrong guy, isn't it? You're talking about that guy who uh, looked British? No, 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 I mean the, the, what do you mean what? What what man who looked British? You said John, You said Johnny Cage looks like David yeah. Essex. That's not Johnny yeah, Cage. Yeah, David Essex, yeah, he's a pair of the clothes he was wearing. Cause he, but you talked about that guy he, who was he, the he, storm he, chaser. He, was, the guy was riding in the bus with the kids, that's who you were talking about. You told me to pause it on that. Yeah, he looked like David Essex. Yeah, but that's not the guy who played Johnny Cage. They're two different characters. No, no, no. The guy on the bus, the bloke on the bus, who, 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 who was Johnny Cage's actor, right? That's not the... He, he wasn't riding in the bus ever. He was in the bus. He was, he was the driver. Uh, the guy that plays Johnny Cage was the cowboy. Yeah. The guy that climbs up the Eiffel Tower. And shoots them with oh, the sniper rifle. Oh, I got confused rifle. with the guy on the bus. I'm sorry. You mutant. <laughs> Can I just... Another film reference. I haven't seen the original, but The Birds by Hitchcock. Yeah, probably definitely. Oh, yes. With the crows. Yeah. Is it, it? What did you guys think of the crows in the film? Ugh. Oh, poor I use. Did, I, I didn't think, like... Really. I didn't like the scene, but I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, in theory it was good, but overall, like... Why wouldn't the crows just peck the hell out of everyone when they're going across that little ramp? Because they were directly overhead yeah. them, you know? And it was fair enough, they did get some of them, but they didn't really get... And hey, that's another thing. The the woman who plays Betty, LJ's love interest, she sort of looks like Sheva, doesn't she? Anybody else see that? Oh, conspiracy. oh she, she's an R&B singer, I think. A Shanti, yeah, I think. Is that right? Uh, might be her name, yeah. But she sort of looks Another like her. Another connection between the films and the games. Yeah. But wh- what was with that... The uh, the rapist family there, like... All of a sudden, three dogs can pull down, a, like, a pillar. Yeah. A steel done. pillar. It's like, what? Movie magic. But what did you guys think about Wesker? Chairman Wesker. I thought he looked like crap, to be honest. I have to say something here. I thought that, you know... I thought he was very uncharismatic. He was very yeah. underwhelming. He just kind of stood there as part of the scenery and went, you have 48 hours, ah, and just said things. And 
because it's just adding Wesker as a character superficially just so you can have an association. It's not yeah. like there's anything to the character. They might as well just exactly. had nameless CEO number seven. Exactly, mm. exactly right. And I just want to point out here now that uh, Jason O'Mara portrayed Wesker, a man who was uh, a character in the hit classic sci-fi thriller Space Truckers featuring Charles Dance. <laughs> what did he and play in that? He, he played like, uh, he had a cameo appearance. He played, uh, I think it was uh, Pilot Number 2, who was an extra. <laughs> He's one of the pilots who gets killed in the beginning. But did you guys notice test. when they were all around that, uh, the CEO table and everything, they all had the uh, umbrella pin, sort of like the guy does in the train incident in Resident Evil Zero? So, so they don't forget who they belong to. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know. So, John, do you think that his career's gone downhill from Space Trucker 2 to Albert Wesker? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a low point in his career. <laughs> and one thing I also noticed, speaking of Wesker, there's this zombie that attacks LJ and bites him. I thought he looked more like Wesker than, than Wesker <laughs> in the damn movie. Can I just say about Wesker and... The doctor scientist dude, I don't even know his name. Uh, Anyone help me out? Uh, uh, oh God. Sorry, which one? Time. The guy the, who... uh, the, the guy who's researching the super zombies. Isaacs? Uh, Isaac. Okay, so Wesker and Isaacs, they, they tried for that whole um, science versus militarism theme that you got in Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sort of intellect versus force. And then, of course, with that had Dr. Logan and the other dude whose name I forget. In Day of the Dead, Rhodes. and but Captain Rhodes, whereas Captain Rhodes, you know, doesn't stand for much, and he doesn't like just shoot you in the head or something, you know, or have a go at your zombies. This Wesker is just, you know, snidey one-liner, you know, and we'll do this research, but it won't be your research. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, they, they they pretty much rip that. Th- even, it's pretty poor take at having a go at it, but the whole movie is just a uh, amalgam of all these different movie scenes. Yeah. It is. It but putting this simply, they've really dropped a bollock on it, to be honest. Just one or two? Well, it depends if it have been knifed or not. Guys, I, um, I, sorry. I wrote a note down here. Maybe you could help me out. I, I don't know what the hell it's referencing. It says, Co-Veronica, when the smart zombie goes bad? I think I was thinking um, of... Some, what, what? That's you see the bloke's hand smack against the glass and smear down like oh, the dude. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the bandersnatch when you get the crossbow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seemed, I don't. Oh well, that's been done in heaps of films. Yeah, but it's still another connection to the to the games. Uh, oh, but oh, just to point out, I really like the uh, the end sequence when uh, uh, Alice goes down and uh, fights Isaacs. And you see the scientists impaled on spikes or something. Yeah. I thought that was very, very like event horizon, you know, or dead space. I, I like that. The the whole that that lab sequence at the end is exploding. Well, I I'm not talking about the fight itself, but the whole atmosphere actually in the lab once it was destroyed was actually pretty good. That like was, it matched kind of. That was my favorite part of the movie. Um, I mean, no, oh, great. It looks nice, but it didn't really. I don't. Know, I don't. Sorry, sorry, don't continue. No, no, but it didn't really live up to my expectations, you know, when he just runs away after he gets hit with a knife. It seems a little lame. 
he keeps he think? keeps doing he keeps doing the cliche run past camera thing. They do it like two, three times. Yeah. Why would he do that? Like, seriously. Ian Glenn is a man who likes the camera just as much as he likes grey jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, the, when the zombies, were, when those super zombies, the question before you said, uh, why did they put him in jumpsuits? He wanted to look fashionable. It's like, they bring him out of storage, right? They're, they're, they're you know, completely Billy Bullock's naked, right? When they bring him out. And the scientist guy is like, all right, so uh, Dr. Isaacs, uh, what do you want to do with these zombies? Well, they, they, they seem a bit um, unfashionable. I put them in some nice blue jumpsuits. That would be good. Yes. What, what, you know, he's a fashion I've, expert. He's like got quite. I've, <laughs> I've actually got, I mean, I got, I, of all the things I've written down, I've written some notes. I actually had two, two, I guess, partially good things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was that, you know, I will say that Anderson nailed the script concept of, you know, if you're going to do a Mad Max thing, you want people to feel fucking desperate and, you know, trot on and, you know, and they look like they, they're they just, like, it's the end of the world and they've got nothing to live for. And I yeah. kind of did get that feeling to come across all right. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, they, they had that scene with Carlos and he's talking about how they're, you know, half of them have died, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And there's all these people in the background. They're just kind of milling about, and they're just sitting there. And, and after this whole crow thing, it, it, you know, I thought that worked all right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, the, the, the odd thing about it as well, and this is where I was going with this, is that the because this film does something the other don't kind of buy that. It, it has more character development than the others because you've got already got this built-in empathy for these people, these survivors. Yeah. Um, that doesn't exist in the other films. So you, you empathise with the people more when they're gonna they all you know they all end up dying as you talked about before but they you kind of realise you've got more of a connection because you're like you don't want them to die uh huh which none of the other movies had yeah but the, it's kind of ruined it's by good. the end because they all do die I mean you're, yeah you're it never... is it's Anderson constantly you know screwing up his story by actually having most of them die when the this is the one time when you you want the complete opposite yeah. To get back to the movie references, I think John pointed out that when they show the Statue of Liberty sort of half-covered under sand, it's sort of like Planet of the Apes. Uh, and I think, you, John, you said like when it zooms in on the satellite dish and Alice burns out the chip in it, sort of like Panic Room? Yeah, oh yes. Uh, in Panic Room, they had these silly dynamic camera shots or whatever where they would pretend like the camera would zoom into the wall... And it would go through the pipes and the uh, the insula- insulation and the network on the in- interior of the walls and, you know, zooming in through the piping and that and come out another end. I think it was very similar to that. They did something with the, you know, like, like you said, the uh, the chip gets burned out. It's, it reminded yeah. me of Panic Room. I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers on the chip somehow relate to Paul Anderson. Just got to have his name on it with the rockets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If I can, um, what was I going to uh, Fucking... Oh, so if they can, they start tracking Alice down with their satellites and stuff, but earlier on they can't find her and they're looking for her all over the world. Somebody on the forums mentioned that this is sort of explained in the books, because, like, I guess the, the satellite dish, when it's overhead, she sort of references this, but doesn't really explain it. When She's like, what time yeah. is it? But I guess, like, only when it's overhead can they control her, and she's sort of traveling all the time to keep ahead of it. There's a, there's a deleted scene which shows her coming out of that radio station from the opening, and her watch beeps at her and she looks at it and it's like flashing with a map and it's blue 
and then she covers her bike with like a like a kind of a camouflage tarp and then hides uh. back underneath the awning from the you know, she looks up and then hides back underneath the awning because she's looking for the you know where the satellite's coming over and it kind of okay, explains yeah, so it just in this one little shot well so that would have helped so much I know why does he always cut these things it doesn't make any sense it's, narrative it, it, that, who needs a fucking narrative it, god what is this it was the only it, it was the only delete sorry Jen <laughs> no I was, I was trying say. to mean it. it's the only deleted scene that actually adds anything though unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> now, did any of you guys read the book for this? Oh god, no. There's a book? Yeah, apparently no. there is. But uh, I guess, like, uh, there's some backstory. It sort of mentions that Archelon had a good post on this. Let me let me go find it. Hang on, give me a sec here, guys. Just sort of... I'll burn the book, book for hate. It's more useful. I just, I just <laughs> want to say about the, the White Queen finding the out finding Alice. There's a, there's a line in it that made me laugh, just, like, not constantly. She... She makes a comment to Isaacs um, when they find Alice, basically saying, Project Alice is located somewhere in a desert region. <laughs> Which is the whole fucking planet. <laughs> exactly. And there was, no, there was no super battle between the White Queen and the White Queen. And the cyber Queen battle. Yes. <laughs> cyber battle royale. But, but to get back to that point, Archelon had this post where he sort of explains the, the back, some of the backstory of the movies. I don't know if it's canon or not. Probably not, but still. Um, he says, Could have been based uh, off the screenplay. He says it goes a bit more depth uh, regarding Isaac's control of Alice. He says in the movie it's briefly mentioned that Carl Snell is split up after infiltrating the Umbrella facility, I think, in Chicago. In the novelization it describes what happened. Alice, Carlos, and several others infiltrated the facility, but Isaacs used a satellite to control Alice. Uh, she killed several other members of her group and, at Isaac's order, shot Angela point-blank in the head. You know, um, the doctor's daughter from 2. Wow. Yeah, and he says, if he remembers correctly, Isaac's did it simply as a test of how strong his control over her was. Uh, he goes on, uh, it was then that she learned that the satellite and how Umbrella was tracking her, and that's why she wears the watch, uh, which is in time with the satellite, so she knows when it's directly overhead. Uh, she says that's why she was constantly on the move. She was staying ahead of the satellite. But as for Jill, it, it goes into her story, too. He says, uh, shortly after the events of Apocalypse, the survivors from Apocalypse were holed up in a hotel trying to figure out what to do next. They were basically fugitives, and Jill was spotted by some cops when she went to go get some food for them. Uh, she let herself be arrested so everyone could get away. She was held for a while until the TV virus spread throughout the country, and she was eventually freed. She then traveled across the country looking for survivor supplies, much like the convoy. She wound up in Baltimore and joined up with some survivors in a convention center. She took care of some unsavory types for them and who were hogging all the resources and became a de facto leader of the survivors. At the end of Extinction, she's still at the convention with uh, other survivors. And he says uh, there's a lot more, but it's been quite a long time since I read the novelization. But thanks for that, Archelon. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't think... some light on things, doesn't it? I don't think it would have... Um, had such a desperate feel like Rob was talking about if they sort of went back and forth to Jill's situation, like how it showed that there was a whole convention center full of people still alive, yeah. you know? Because even like in the opening intro, it shows the whole earth is just all sand, so it's like, you know... Okay, if I can really quickly cut in, I think, um, as I said about the second film, you have this contest nearly between Alice and Jill, you know, who's the main lead? Yeah. Whereas that would sort of perpetuate that in the course... Jill's never going to win that contest because I think, as John said before, um, Milo Jovovich was up the duff by the time this one was being made. So, 
Go so ahead. yeah, go ahead, Rob. Jill's not going to get any love. Wait, people are actually putting some stock into what I say. <laughs> that was true. Yeah, I think yeah, was... it's true. All right, let Rob go. I think there was a comment made in one of the extras as well. They talk about the original, one of the drafts of the script said there was about a million people left on the planet. Uh, so, um, but, it, you know, obviously no mention of that's made. And also I, I find it like, aside from the fact this book may or may not be, you know, actually part of the story, I just find the whole scene of, you know, Carlos and Alice meeting up and there's no, basically no discussion about what exactly happened. It's all very vague yeah. and just it's such a cop-out you know against what happened at the end of the second film it's like it's just a the, the, it's like anderson set himself up for such a dead end kind of story by the by the way he ended the second film there was no way he was gonna you know pull off anything yeah you know something's gonna be such a difficult out something i noticed on the blu-ray edition i got the the trilogy pack on blu-ray and the the front cover has alice you know from all from her covers of the various versions you know the one in the red dress the one in the combat gear and then the Extinction in the in the you know whatever desert garb, but one weird thing is like they modified her one from Apocalypse so that she looks a little fatter because she's really skinny in uh, the actual cover, but like on the Blu-ray cover for this trilogy pack, she it looks like she has the mumps or something. Her cheeks are all like pushed out and everything. It looks really weird. I'll, I'll post a well. picture of it up on the thread. It's that could be the original shot, and then they photoshopped it the first time around. I don't think so. It looks really weird, like she's a 12-year-old with mumps or something. Re- really weird. <laughs> I, I asked you guys last last time, I think, but I, none of you have seen Death Race, have you? No. No. Okay. I, w- I went and saw Death Race, and surprisingly, I would actually call it Anderson's second best film behind Event Horizon. <laughs> it, it doesn't take itself seriously. It has... Uh, it's it's entertainment. It's f- quick cuts and fast paced, and it's you know brainless popcorn. It's a popcorn flick. You know, it, it it has you know nothing redeeming about it. It's enjoyable but completely forgettable, totally unoriginal. But it's far better than any of these. <laughs> these films. Sounds like a glowing recommendation. <laughs> Scores. So overall, uh, I guess. I didn't like it as much as the other two, to be honest. Uh, five out of ten. I'd give it a two. Oh, one from me. John. John. I don't think he's even going to honor a score. <laughs> I don't even think he's here. <laughs> I think he left. Uh-oh. He's probably killed himself yet since film seven. Oh right, uh, I'm gonna give this a ten out of ten because uh, it's my favorite <laughs> film ever. <laughs> love it, absolutely love it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's so offended. Oh, he's gone. Uh, he's hung up. What a soup. Just go ahead, take your take his place, Rob. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a one. <laughs> Um, I, I got one last thing to say, which I noted from the extras, which is kind of relevant, but not. Anderson makes a quote about playing the um, playing the games and being a, a, a giant fan of the series, but then he starts talking about the elements, bringing the elements across to the movies from the games, mm-hmm. and then he makes us run random comment. Um, and I wanted to start adding the psychic powers, which begin to appear in Code Veronica. What? Did he play the <laughs> same Code play- Veronica that I played? Yeah, I was going to say, did he play, like, a, a different version of the game than I did, you know? Oh, hey, John's it, back. I'm going to add him. 
That's crazy. Alexi is a little psychic, I guess, maybe. No. Yeah. Well, no. If you've got if you've got the second I don't know who's got it, if you've got the second DVD release, it's it's in the segment called Resident Roadmap. Um, it's on the t- well. I had the two disc version, and it was on the second disc. Okay. As for my uh, opinion on Extinction, well, it was marginally better than Apocalypse, if only for the last end scene. So, as for as as for a numerical score, uh, well, if Blade Runner is ten out of ten, Extinction will have to be a two out of ten. Okay. And that's going to wrap up the Extinction Talk. We'll be right back with news. Greetings, comrades! Da! This is your beloved leader, Nomad1926. It has become clear to me that our glorious motherland sea is threatened. The dirty capitalistic dog Paul Anderson started the making of his fourth Resident Evil movie. But yet, I will not allow this to happen. In this age of fear, we must be strong. We must be prepared to face an army of Alice clones. We must fight this enemy. And with your help, I will knock him! Knock him to the death! Let the God be with us! No doubt, from Ukraine with love. <laughs> so first up, uh, PS3 News has an interview with Capcom's Ben L. So in it, he talks about the AI partner and how it'll sort of work with the game if you're alone and not playing with a co-op partner. He also mentions that there are plenty some more big reveals for the game, but there probably isn't going to be anything too big besides the bosses, which I guess they're keeping under wraps until the game is out. So, good on them, though, because I, I wouldn't want the uh, the bosses spoiled. Resident Evil 4 was pretty good about that, too, keeping the bosses under wraps. Uh, next up is a rumor here. This is a... I guess we got an email from someone in Australia who works at EB Games, and they sort of sent over a release list, which included Resident Evil 5... Three different versions of Resident Evil 5 for PS3. There's the normal edition, and then there's one called SE, and then LE. I, we're assuming that the SE and the LE stand for Special Edition and Limited Edition, which I guess is kind of the trend these days with like the Halo 3 cat helmet version and the Limited Edition. But anyway, uh, there isn't any uh, de- details on what they'll contain, but what is really peculiar is there's no mention of an Xbox 360 version in the system. But this could just be uh, something that's limited only to EB games in Australia because they have had, I guess... Some uh, Australian people were reporting that they have had uh, special editions that go far, that go beyond the uh, limited edition that the U.S. and Europe usually get. Next up, we have the news of Capcom wins Dead Rising copyright case. According to GameSpot, Capcom have recently won their long-running lawsuit against the producers of Romero's Dawn of the Dead, who claim that the game ripped off of the movie. The judges quoted to the extent that Dead Rising may be deemed to possess a theme. It is confined to the killing of zombies in the process of attempting to unlock the cause of the zombie infestation. The social commentary MKR draws from Dawn of the Dead, in other words, appears totally absent from the combat focus found in Dead Rising. Well, that's kind of weird because 
the judge sort of mentions that there's no like social commentary in Dead Rising, and there kind of is because, you know, not oh spoilers here and everything, but this is a very old game now. You should have played it, but basically like it's a commentary on how Americans are all like oh greedy and you know they they don't care uh, how they get things. They sort of like what is it they, they uh, the effects spread through cow yeah consumerism basically. Which is the same so, theme from the original film. Yeah, the, yeah. I got it now. The uh, they were trying to design a way where they would have, I guess, clones of cows or something like that, so they could feed America's hunger, and everything. Yeah, yeah. But even Dead Rising also had that little religious cult who came in and just went mental, which oh, I thought right. was good. <laughs> I, I, because I, that that critique was unique to Dead Rising that wasn't in Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. And also, the Brazilian Resident Evil site, Our Evil, had a chance to pop a few questions in the direction of Roger C. Smith, the man who plays both Curtis Miller in Degeneration and Chris Redfield in Resident Evil 5. They said that he seems genuinely enthusiastic about portraying the roles, and I suggest you go to their website and read their interview. Several Resident Evil 5 items are up for pre-order on Amazon.com. Besides the normal version of the game, as well as the PS3 Collector's Edition which is possibly confirmed with that Australian leak. They also have the collector's edition listed for the Xbox 360. Prima Games will also be publishing a strategy guide for the game, which isn't surprising, titled Resident Evil 5, The Complete Official Guide. Just like the game counterpart, the book will also have a special version, a hardcover, limited edition of the book. There's no details thus far of what will be included in the special edition. And MovieInfos.net reports that Resident Evil Degeneration will come to Germany on the 8th of January. This seems to confirm nicely with Play.com taking pre-orders for Resident Evil Degeneration, with a release date quoted for the 12th of January. This may mean European stores can expect to receive their supplies on or around the 8th of January, which is a Thursday, with the official release being on the 12th, which is a Monday. That's pretty good. We've been waiting a while to hear when Europe would be getting Degeneration. It's good to hear, though, that it's not too far after the U.S. and Japanese releases. Less than a month, so... Yeah. Third road, I guess they're getting a bit better on things. And now we have a, uh, a far more exciting slice of news. Uh, the Biohazard 5 demo is on the way. According to Famitsu, they report that a demo of Resident Evil 5, or Biohazard 5 in Japan, will indeed be hitting the Xbox Live Marketplace on the 5th of December. No news about the PSN just yet, but... Uh, We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, the demo apparently will feature sequences from two different stages and locations in the game and will allow for both offline play and co-op play. Now, that's interesting. Uh, they, the, It's probably the same demo that was at TGS because there was the, the one stage where you fight the, uh, the chainsaw guy and then the other one where you fight the, um, the executioner guy. But it's interesting that they'll have... Um, co-op play. I'm wondering if it's online co-op. Might might be able to give us a good feel for the for how it plays. I, I hope it would. I hope it's online co-op. I'd like to play the demo with some of you guys. Yeah, That'd definitely see fun. how it works. Yeah, test the water of it, so to speak. Yeah. You know. Capcom Unity's uh, Chris Kramer has uh, updated his blog and uh, he's put up some information regarding a possible RE5 demo for the US audi- audience. 
Uh, he says that the demo is coming, uh, will be obviously a bit later than the Japanese demo, and it will be available on both the PS3 and the 360. Uh, Chris Kramer also states, What does this mean to you, Joe Sixpack, denizen of the land of the free and home of the collapsing economy? Not much. Ori 5 is still on track for the previously announced Friday the 13th, March 2009 release in both North America and Europe. Fear not, we will also be seeing demos of both the 360 and PS3 versions of the game. But they'll be letting the, but they'll be hitting North America a bit later than the Japanese demo. Stay tuned, more to come on the demo soon. Uh, in addition, according to the website bittech.com, uh, Capcom have confirmed that the US version demo uh, will not be released this year. The site doesn't point to any links, but it seems likely since the original reveal of the US demo said as much that it will be arriving later than the Japanese demo. So, I don't know. We, according to that, we're not going to be getting... Well, America is not going to be getting the the uh, the demo this year, so... That's kind of crap. Yeah. I mean, why would they be giving the demo to Japan before the US? Seems a bit odd, doesn't it? Welcome to Europe's world. <laughs> I've noticed, I've, speaking of which, I've noticed that um, whenever something is delayed for Europe, people just seem to wallow in this, in misery. Like they accept it and they go, oh, well, we've been shafted again. Oh, well, we'll just accept it and wallow in our own self-pity and misery. <laughs> you know, or in, in the rain and, and you know. But when something happens in, in America and if something's delayed for America... It's like, oh, up in arms, like monkeys throwing shit at the walls. Crazy. What's going on here? They can't do this to us. We're always getting shafted. And this drama fest, which I believe is inherent to uh, American society. Yeah, too good for too long, you lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following up the uh, possible announcement of the Australian special edition, um, Capcom Japan has opened a site on eCapcom where gamers can guarantee they'll be getting a package for Biohazard 5. Um, there is any advantage for knowing the news early as the pre-order for the special edition uh, starts only from December 1st to 16th. The limited edition itself will be available for both the 360 and the PS3, and the release date has been bumped up to March 5th. Um, included in the package is a 2 gigabyte USB drive modelled after the Tricell vaccine seen in the game, a 32-page hardcover art book, and a BSAA carrying pack is worn by Chris, um, and it's all packaged up in a nice uh, collectible packaging. That's uh, it's, it's confusing to me why they jumped the, uh, the Japanese release up to March 5th while we still get it on the, I think it's the 13th here in America and Europe. Like, why would they... It doesn't make sense. It's their turn well, to get unless, it first. Unless they want to, like, just keep the whole Friday the 13th spooky spooky sort of thing going. That's really stupid, but traditionally now, like, Japan used to get Resident Evil uh, sooner than us, but, like, in recent years, it's sort of been the other way around. America would get it first, and then Japan would get it a few days later. It seems weird that they're going back to this... This, uh, I don't know, maybe they're, they don't really have a lot of confidence in Japan and they just and, want people to import it or something. And then Europe several months later, if we're lucky. But that, localization I think, um, that limited edition pack, though, that sounds really nice. I think, have they said how, how limited that is? Gene, do you know? Um, I'm thinking, because they don't usually do this sort of timed ordering thing, I'm thinking they may be just gauging 
sort of the demand for it now. I think they even said like making up. They even said if there's more uh, than allotted, that there would be a lottery done. Really? Yeah, that's what I was reading. I don't know if that's true or not. If I, somebody said they, that. They on haven't the site. actually put down a number on how limited they are. Yeah. But I think they might just be gauging the demand for this kind of thing, possibly for other markets as well. I hope there's not a lottery for it, because the last thing you want is some irritated little piss weasel getting his hands on it and gloating in front of people who rightfully deserve it more than he does. Now, have they said how much this is going to be, Gene? Do you know? It's, from memory, I'm quite certain I'm correct, it's 12,800 yen. So pretty expensive. But it's I, not cheap. I hope that 30... I think it was like 130 US. Yeah, I hope that hardcover art book is actually pretty big and it's not like some small little, you know, miniature mm, thing. Too. This is a ecapcom.com limited edition, which may or may not be the same as any other limited or collectors or special editions that may come out, which is yeah, that's really, very confusing. Yeah, and very expensive for uh, people who collect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised... If this is if there's another Biohazard Five special or limited edition or something, yeah. and this is only for their website, yeah, I'm thinking the same. I think this will be like the the best pack, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one that comes out. Yeah, because well. even like uh, the 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 uh, Resident Evil store or the Capcom store in America, like when Resident Evil Four PS2 came out, they had this special edition pack which had a a shirt uh, and like one of the NECA figures. And, I don't know, maybe... So- oh, the uh, Sound Chronicles, Biohazard Sound Chronicles was included as well, and it was like a special edition pack there that was limited to a couple hundred, I think. But anyway, yeah. it's This is probably just some pack they put together themselves, but it seems to have a bit more thought put into it because there's actual, you know, uh, a USB drive uh, that's modeled after the game and uh, the, the art book, yeah. the carrying case and everything. It's not just repurposed things packaged in to tr- sort of sell back stock. Sweetener, yeah. Uh, Ex-Capcom Resident Evil creator Shinji Mikami says that he won't play Resident Evil 5. Um, speaking in a recent interview with official PlayStation magazine and reported through computerandvideogames.com, Mikami uh, said that playing Resident Evil 5 would just cause him stress. He's quoted as saying, I probably won't play it. I won't like it because it's not going to be the game I would have made. It would just cause me stress if I play it. I think it could be fun for gamers to play it, but not for someone who's developed Resident Evil games. If I see anything in Resident Evil 5 that isn't done well, I'll be angry. Seems fair enough. It's, this caused kind of a stir on the site. There was a certain user who was now banned, I guess, uh, just really went off on a tangent there on the trolling spree. But I can't really see anything that, you know, fair play to him. I mean, you know, I think I'd probably think the same if I was a creator of something and then had to leave it and somebody else took it but over. He, I mean, he also, I mean, he said as well, he, you know, that the similarities to from five that was close to four, which he did, you know, direct, was that he, he didn't think it needed to change the series. He thinks it needs to change the series um, because it won't be able to keep going the same way if they just keep repeating the same game that he did again. Well, I don't know um, about maybe that. Maybe it's the same. It seems to have... Well, it's, it's what... Yeah, it's what, what he, it's what he said. But I mean, I, I don't know if that was the same feeling. He, maybe that's the same feeling he had about the original series. You know, he created Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil, and yeah. then they made Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Three with very little changes. But it seems odd because, like, I mean, co-op seems like a pretty big addition and everything. I mean, the gameplay of Four is pretty solid. I don't think you need to redefine the gameplay or re, you know for every game in the series. People have been okay with the previous games sticking to pretty much the same formula for years now. So I don't get what the big 
deal is about that. No, I'm a bit lost on that one myself as well. Maybe a mistranslation or something. Communication error. Maybe. It could quite possibly be. This wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. But finally, uh, Game Pro's January 09 issue has a very big Resident Evil 5 feature. AJ posted this. He says uh, there's a bunch of new screens from the game, uh, enemy sightings, which includes a list of animal-based enemies from the game, like bats, hyenas, giant crocodiles, and Ganado-style infected villagers. Gameplay information, such as if you're mortally wounded and you'll start bleeding, your movement slows down to a crawl, your vision distorts to, into a beer goggle-type style. Screen, there's screen showing a marsh boat sequence, which the magazine calls the only free-roaming vehicle in the game, so I guess it's kind of sticking to Resident Evil 4 there. Uh, and there's also a look at the weapons featured in the game. The last listing, uh, though, is a column of secret weapons, which GamePro refused to comment about. They also talk about weapon mods and tr a triple-barreled shotgun. Uh, the multi-flavored grenade launcher rounds also return for the game, which is kind of nice to see. And finally, uh, there's a lobby system that replaces the merchant. Uh, the magazine describes it as a screen where you can buy or upgrade your weapons or stash them for later usage. So, sort of like Dead Space where there's the store. But uh, if you want to see the scans, you'll have to go elsewhere because we're not going to be hosting those. I believe they're on Capcom Unity, the forums, unless they've gotten taken down by now. But, there you go. Okay, so now for the community call segment. First up, we have Nicholas. Hey guys, this is, you know, Nicholas from The Horror is Alive. I'm Nicholas. This My real name is Nicholas. It's just CH instead of KK. Um, I've seen all three movies. I, you know, I just started watching RPG special. I didn't really get a chance to do it for the last call, you know, thing for the last movie, but I like the first movie. It's the only one of the three I really, really, I didn't really, really like it, but I really liked it. You know, I liked it. It was good, I thought, as its own little thing. I especially love the ending. I'll always defend that ending. It's extremely good. As you guys mentioned, the music, you guys mentioned the music. The music was playing in the ending of the first movie, and that really made the ending. It's one of the factors that really made the ending for me. Is it, wait, what movie is he talking about here? The first one, I think. The first one? Yep. Okay. I think I think he means probably where they get captured and they pull Nemesis off. Yeah. And even that last shot of the chaos, which is good. Yeah, that was a pretty good ending. I think probably the best ending out of all of them. The third one. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but on these two movies, Apocalypse and Extinction, um, I saw Extinction not too long ago, like... A month or so, and it was okay. I guess I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was okay, so not too good, not too bad in my opinion. Could have been worse. Could have been better. Definitely could have been better. Uh, I liked Carlos's death. I'll say that right now. I like Carlos's death. Yes, planned cliche, of course. That's 
that's the point of it, you know, it's just one of those cool little death scenes. I don't think it's supposed to be revolutionizing how characters die off in movies or anything, it's just cool for what it was worth, you know, I liked it. It's a good send-off for him, I think. I, I was going to say, the, the death scene itself was fine, but I, I think um, it was mentioned before, but Carlos dying was just, I thought it was a bad move. Yeah. Real bad move. I agree. I didn't um, like the death very much either. It promoted drug use. <laughs> yeah, because that was a joint he found. It wasn't just a normal cigarette. It was a rolled joint. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, if, I've, if, I was, if, I, if, if there was one thing I could majorly change about the script, it would have been having LJ redeem himself by being the person who yeah. didn't turn into his own. And he was the one who killed himself and Carlos didn't get bit. That, That's how I'd change it. That would have been much better. I would have... It would have fit the because it didn't really seem like it fit his character. He didn't really, he didn't really seem like the guy who would be. Oh, look, a, ma- a joint, yay, LJ though. But that, I think that throws back to the beginning, with, you know, on the radio. Got any smokes? Got any oh, smokes? right, right. Got any silly? Okay, now let's get to what I really want to talk about was apocalypse. Now I'm sure you guys already went over because you do the community calls last, so you did the whole segment where you talked about the movies. And you went over all the little, really, really, there's a lot of bad points in Apocalypse. You probably went over every one of them. But the part, I'll maybe you guys already mentioned this, like I said, but part that always sticks out in my mind that I hate the most, Nemesis versus Stars. Like you guys, I think you guys mentioned this in like the last the last episode where you said Stars in the game, like the real Stars, not the one where every cop in the city is Stars. Yeah, I agree with that. But then you look at the movies, and what are they? What are stars in the movies? Well, I guess you could call them those Star Trek red shirts, you know, cannon fodder that's just there to die. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. I don't think we touched on it, but definitely. I, the only guy I really liked was the sniper up top. But other than that, yeah, it just seems sort of like a, a crappy just force. Just to point out... Uh... Nemesis was a, a, a living biological parasitic weapon. It was not a robot. Any kind of machine. Okay, guys. I'll see you later. Thanks for talking. Okay, so next up we have a call in from Nomad. Once again, hello everyone. This is Nomad1926. Okay, Resident Evil Apocalypse and Extinction. I'll try to say what I think about them. The first one is Apocalypse. I think it's a great movie, but for only for those who have no idea what the hell is Resident Evil. But for me, it's a terrible film. Some twisted attempt to humiliate the original game. I won't lie to you, it had some moments that I like, but totally not enough of them. Lots of people say that Apocalypse is better than the first movie, because it has an original characters from the games. For me, it's its biggest disadvantage. Sure, I really like the way the movie Jill looked, hot as hell, but I hated the way Sienna Glory played the character. Basically, in the movie she looks like a total badass bitch that always swears and acts like she is so important at the beginning, and then BOOM! And she is just an unable to do anything Alice psychic. Basically, everything in this movie rolls around the Alice. She is the main character, she has some superpowers, she saves everyone, she kills all the bad guys with ease, and the most ridiculous part is that Nemesis hunts her, not Jill. Speaking about Nemesis, he is one of the biggest reasons why I hated this movie. He looks cheap and fake, have no tentacles, uses the miniguns, sees everything like a Terminator, and in the end is beaten in hand-to-hand combat, again by Alice, and turned into a good obedient puppy, only to be killed by a helicopter. Then there is a Carlos, simply terrible, Audit Fair is the same Carlos as I am, and of course Nikolai. 
cool badass bastard Russian mercenary able to survive in Raccoon City only with a handgun and a knife. He's actually a total loser in the movie. And he is a good guy. And the way he died, oh my god. One moment he is here shooting zombies and saying one-liners and the other he is killed by zombie dogs. I just didn't like the way the actors play the characters. I like the action in the movie, music and liquors. They looked cool. But everything else? Giant plot holes. Undestructible wall around Raccoon City that is built in less than 13 hours. Shaky camera. Comedy pimp. <laughs> Comedy pimp? <laughs> Comedy pimp? Comedy <laughs> pimp. I'm telling you, I'm um, agreeing with him 100% so far. <laughs> I'm gonna say that wall. I didn't even think about mentioning that. That wall was terrible. It just like there's a wide shot at the start of the movie. Clearly no wall. Like clear distance of everything, and then all of a sudden the wall, giant wall, appears out of nowhere. It's like, and there's like a big gap. There's a gap around the city for the wall. I know, ridiculous. It is. All right, let's continue. All of the stars members are killed in less than three minutes, and again a terrible zombie design. Oh, and the zombie kids. I like the fact that there are zombie kids, it was realistic, but they look terrible. And in the end of the movie, the incident is compared to Russian Chernobyl. Soviet, yes. Ukrainian, yes. But not Russian, goddammit. It's like there's absolutely no difference for the director. So, overall, for me, it's really a bad movie that I don't want to see again. Ever. The second one is Extinction. Comparing with this movie, Apocalypse deserves an Oscar. It has only one good side. Gore. That's all. Everything else? Terrible for me. Why the hell did the virus kill all of the plants? Why the hell a CG and makeup sucks again? It looks like a mix of Mad Max and Land of the Dead. And it's a bad mix if we are talking about Resident Evil movie. Most of the scenes in Extinction are terrible and pointless. It takes four days for this LJ to turn into a zombie and none of the survivors are able to see that one of them is infected. In five years, none of them haven't actually met the infected crows. Alice is controlled by a satellite, the indestructible fence that holds zombies. And that's not all. Again we see the characters from the games here. Wesker looked horrible, but not as bad as Claire. I mean, the guy is fat, acting like an idiot, and have more umbrella logos on him than Raccoon City. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> He's so That's right. Great. He's so right. <laughs> he hit the nail on the head. Kicked a goal. And Claire, that was a bad choice to make that character called Claire Redfield, because Danny DeVito would be a better Claire. Uh, what the hell was it Star Wars like hologram communication between Umbrella leaders? I was expecting to see Yoda to appear there any moment. And in the end, we have an army of Alice clones. So simply, Resident Evil Extinction and Apocalypse are the bad movies, and I don't want to see them again. They are one of the best examples why it is unforgivable to make movies based on video games. But that's only my opinion, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that won't agree with me. But then again, there are a lot of people that will. Anyways, it's all, and thanks for listening. I gotta say, I agree with pretty much everything he said. I'm that sure was many good. of us will. Yes. Jesus. That yeah, was no, good. That's good. I especially like the part where <laughs> Wesker's cut ends up as almost as much umbrella logos as raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> great, great stuff, great stuff. You know, among, uh, you know, amongst all the uh, umbrella employees, Wesker was amongst the uh, most forgetful. Yeah, actually, he has some <laughs> stuff here at the end. You want me to play it? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, oh, go, yeah. go. Yeah, yeah.
comrades! Da! This is your beloved leader Nomad 1926. It has become clear to me that our glorious motherland sea is threatened. The dirty capitalistic dog Paul Anderson started the making of his fourth Resident Evil movie. But yet, I will not allow this to happen. In this age of fear, we must be strong. We must be prepared to face an army of Alice clones. We must fight this enemy, and with your help, I will knock him, knock him to the death. Let the God be with us. No doubt, from Ukraine with love. This is going as the intro to this segment. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> It just made me think. What do you guys think about the fact that there might be a fourth film? Oh, horrible. Fair. <laughs> Where are Epic they going to go? Fail? Earth is destroyed and we have an army of house clones. What's the plot? Yeah, at this point, who cares if they even take out They're going to go to the yeah. moon. Oh, we're going to take Umbrella out. Uh, oh, yeah. We're all fucked anyway. It's even, it's even worse position than the end of the second film, you know? Like, it's, uh-huh. there's nowhere to go. There really isn't. <clears throat> Man, I love... It'll play out like awesome. uh, Phil Ultraviolet. <laughs> oh, horrible. What, you think they'll have, like, what, Umbrella will take it under control and be the ruler of the world, one world government or something stupid? I imagine, yeah, and then Wesk will be uh, a stand-in for Daxos. I don't know what you're saying. They can go into oh, outer guy... space or to the center of the Earth. <laughs> I think, I outer think space. That you have a, a base on the moon. No they go to the moon and they be in spacesuit. It's like Moonraker. Nomad is getting a tag after this. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Good on him. Good on him. We ready? Uh, this is Who's it. next? So uh, next up here is Heligad. Hi everyone. It's Gene, better known as Heligad, on the forums. Um, I watched Apocalypse and Extinction this week, just like everyone else did. And uh, honestly, I can't see what all the bad comments are about. There's some good action sequences and everything. Um, not not too bad acting, better than the first film, I must admit. Um, yeah, I'd probably give both an 8 out of 10. What? Did he say 9 out of 10? Yeah, I heard it he's 8 or 9. Oh. He said it's better than the first, I didn't hear. Oh, right, right, yeah, when he called in. Oh, this is going to run well. Alright, let's continue. The third one was more action-packed, and I liked that one better, and I had to sneak into the movies to see it. I had to buy another ticket because it wasn't over 15, just sneaking, but whatever. Um, the music score for both of them were really, really good. Um, and one thing that always strikes me is how movie developers, they can't just do a plain game movie adaption. Like, they have to go off on a tangent and make a whole new plot and everything, and they can just rip one directly out of a game and just... Make it out, make a movie out of that. I mean, that would be so much popular with everyone else. And I bet the Resident Evil movies would have been so much more popular if they decided to do that. Silent Hill is the only movie that stays close as close to the game as possible. And then again, it still has its flaws in the plot and changes the main character's names and um, makes the main character instead of a guy a chick. But yeah. Um, on an unrelated note, I bought Just Cause this week, and I expect RE5 to be nowhere near as good as that. Okay, see you later. I don't think. See really, you later. Think, I don't think we really have much to say after that. So the next caller. <laughs> well, hang on. 
Can you hear me? Yeah, the mic's on. We just disagree with him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Inch to their own. No, I, the, the only thing I, I mean, the only thing I, I'm going to comment on that, that otherwise is the the music. I I think the music score for the last two was pretty forgettable. They tried to put the the sound. There's there's little cues in the third, the music in the third yeah. one that's kind of trying to tie it to the first one. But that's about it. I, I, most of it's pretty forgettable. And in fact, the, the like the licensed music soundtrack three is pretty horrible in my opinion. It's all like it's junk music. Like the, fir- well, the, the first and the second had some okay music, but the third one just has junk. So the next caller is, is uh, Neptune, uh, also known as Nick. Hi guys, this is Nick, better known as Neptune on the boards and staff member on Project Umbrella. First, let me just say I enjoyed the first film and was looking forward to the sequel. Unfortunately, I didn't think that Apocalypse delivered. The camera work from Alexander Witt was shocking and really didn't add anything to the film. Yeah, I think, Gene, you mentioned that like the zombie movement was sort of like... They slowed was... the frame down, but I think Nomad was mentioning even that like there was just shaky cam and everything. Did anybody yeah, know that? There wasn't any... Actually, I'll say quickly in Extinction, there's one good shot where I think LJ shoots a mirror. Yeah. Where there's, he sees something really in the mirror, shot. and it's behind. That's a great shot. That's the only, in the two films, that's the only shot I said, I thought that stood out. It's um, being actually really I, good. I'm going to say the effect shot where they did the combine for the scape of um, Vegas, I thought was actually a really good effect shot too. Like, it was... Yeah. It, it, it was believable. It was, you know, you bought into it. Um so, yeah, the only two things that stood out for me in that in that one, but I can't remember anything good about the apocalypse. Like yeah. visually, like uh, I think maybe oh, I did actually. I like I did like the um, camera movement where they follow Alice as she walks over the top of the wall and it looks down over the side. It was like a com- uh. yeah, composite shot. It was not too bad. Like it was good. Overall, it was clearly over the top, especially the church scene and uh, having Alice as a Wesker esque character with pretty much invincibility was really unresident evil like a dilution of stars and Nikolai only further compounded the experience uh, as well as the nemesis looking too rubbery and robotic Uh, the only thing I thought was worth noting was the direct game references such as the Grady's in lighter and the entrance by the UBCS I thought these were nice touches and uh, the only good points of the film you know, he mentions the robotic movement of Nemesis, but that's sort of masked, too, by the fact that they always have him walking in slow motion or something. Just, I, I hated that, too. Like, it just looked really stupid and cheesy. Actually, there was a shot where I think Nemesis is walking, stars are firing at him, and, like, you can see these big strings of blood coming out of his chest. Yeah. And I think that looked okay, but I think they overused it as well. They just labored on that a bit too long. Yeah. Okay, here... He- actually has a second part. I think this one's from, for Extinction, so let's play that. In terms of Extinction, it was clearly better than Apocalypse, but you know that's not exactly uh, difficult. You can't help but notice in, in Extinction the references to the first film as if it's some kind of classic. Yes, it was okay, but you know, not world. Amazingly brilliant, but there we go. Um, and just the, uh, the reintroduction of that laser thing, like it was the best thing ever, where you know, it was pretty <laughs> lame, I think we all agree. Yeah. And it was a very lame way to kill the final boss. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I we didn't talk about it. I don't think um, about that last yeah. sequence, but that that uh, yeah, that was fine. The the good the only like there's a bad that was the bad side of it. The good thing I did notice is like the lab design. They tried to 
incorporate like a look that kind of looked like the lab in the first movie like the ceiling panels and and stuff like that yeah. looked quite similar like they were going for a bit of continuity there which was good but yeah the laser thing but the fight itself I thought it was okay until they started doing the stupid psychotic power crap and it just mm-hmm. and then like you know Isaacs does it himself at her and I'm like oh no what are we doing but even she hasn't used her powers for a while and then she's sort of nearly just oh hang on I've got superpowers yeah. You know, she sort of, and then sure she gets headaches or migraines or whatever after using it. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. Okay, it just see. seems like very, very, uh, just very convenient. Yeah. I also thought that whilst there was references to the first film, there's too many references to other films, such as Mad Max and even Star Wars, with the Cerberus pit at the beginning resembling the Rancor pit from Return of the Jedi. Um, as a result, I thought the film lacked its own identity as such. I thought Ian Glenn was good, with, and his portrayal as Tyrant T091 from Dead Aim was rather quite good. But I did think the super zombies looked more like uh, extras from Lord of the Rings, and uh, not very impressive. Well, the, the zombies really reminded me of the Romero movies, you know. I think in this movie they had the really sunken eyes, and if you look at the... Biohazard 2 TV commercial, they sort of have the same makeup effects. I wonder if they didn't get the same guy. The Screaming Mad George, I think his name is? No, it's it's. they talk to him in the extras, it's definitely not the same guy. Ah, okay. He actually talks about your um, Wesker zombie, and talks about how he'd like, you know, more character zombies. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is a very Romero trait, to have, you know, zombies as characters. Yeah, I think you were referencing that, like how the Capcom producers originally said that, you know, they didn't like Romero's script because it had sunglasses on zombies and stuff like that. And now look look what we have in the third movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A zombie with sunglasses. Um, he starts talking about, you know, oh, we've got the Vegas setting, so maybe we could have, you know, an Elvis impersonator zombie and uh, showgirl zombies and... Crazy. Okay. I hope that there is no more films as... Uh... The prospect of an Alice army it really is quite disturbing. <laughs> is that all? Yeah, for, that's all. You speak to me. You speak to me. There, I said about uh, what theme to use. Uh, I said, oh, use that. Um, the, the Neptune thing from uh, um, a remake is like uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so he's giving us a little cut. Uh, he's a uh, he's, he's a good man, Neptune. I'm going to give him a plug here on uh, on the podcast. He's doing some a lot of hard work for the site uh, Project Umbrella. He's got uh, he's actually working on uh, uh, some kind of article himself. Uh, you know, uh, Tim John. Tim did this uh, Dead Aim article that was like twenty pages long. Is that 50? Yeah, about 50 pages long or so. Uh, Neptune Nick is working on his own, and he's, he's called it Confidential Report. So uh, uh, keep your eyes peeled for that, and you know, when Project Umbrella will launch, uh, hopefully soon. Well, before home, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the last call is from Ryder Kit. Hello, I'm David Phillips, a.k.a. Ryder Kit on The Horrors Alive. Um, guys, I got two questions this time. As always, I have many questions. Um, I guess number one is the Resident Evil 2 3 movies. I never saw 3, but I saw 2. Do you guys think it was more Beauty and the Beast ish in this one? Because 
the romance between Alice and Matthew is still the end of the movie, but unfortunately they try to continue it in this one. It made me feel like they were just going to fight Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, for God's sakes. An interesting parallel, actually. Because I didn't... I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't draw that. First. I didn't think I didn't they were... That in, I don't think they were really lovers or anything like that. That's sort of... Like, where would he get that? They, they've met each other for 24 hours before this event. I think she's just... She's just uh, uh, sad and horrified that he's turned into this thing, you know? And at the end of the first film where, yeah, she's he's... Um, taken away she yeah. screams and fights and kicks and stuff but that's an interesting sort of parallel even if it's not love you know but the, the characters care for each other at the very yeah. least well, going on what Jean said the characters are not lovers but they've been through the same situation together they've been through it together they've survived it together and and uh, you know he, uh, Matthew is taken away from her you know and I think it's still there so that's the first one and my second question is if you guys had the choice would you have done Resident Evil 2 and 3 in one movie or would you have done 2 and 3 as separate projects so 2 and 3 as separate projects is he talking about the games yeah. now or no I think he's doing it with movies like would you do them back to back sequels what hang on, hang on the games I think Resident Evil 2 and 3 games. Because yeah. the, the, the Resident Evil 2 and 3 films are set five years apart. You couldn't do that together, surely. Yeah, yeah. So You couldn't do that. Well, what happens is Resident Evil 3 takes place first, and then when Jill gets knocked out or infected, then Resident Evil 2 takes place, and then after she wakes up, Resident Evil 2 is ended. So, As for if I do them back-to-back, or I think probably, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think you really could match them together. Are you talking about the films here? No, we're talking about the games. If, Game. if we were translating oh, the okay. film, I don't the, think. The, as you say, games. Well, no, but it's the only thing that makes sense because, like Gene said, Extinction is like five years after two. So, I'm just meaning. Well, maybe he was meaning filming. You would you've done two movies back to back? You didn't have to make the the chronology back to back. That's not really that interesting, is it? It's... Yeah. I'll address I'll address the question as I interpret it. I guess that's what we yeah, can do. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, to have Resident Evil two and three in the one film together, I probably wouldn't do that because Claire and Leon both investigate the G virus and conspiracy with the police chief and yeah. Umbrella and the government, local government at least. Whereas Resident Evil three is much about Jill's personal struggle to survive. Yeah, they're... and sort of most of most of what's known from Resident Evil Three comes in the form of epilogues, not the actual game. I think I think you guys touched on that in the first RPD dispatch that a lot is revealed through the epilogues and not necessarily the game files yeah. and stuff. But I think both games are broad enough to that you can make a film out of both of them and not have it like if you try to mash them together. I think trying to mash Jill's story of survival and Leon and Claire's together would be a mistake because ultimately they don't really meet. Or anything, so no. Unless I actually, you, I totally uh, agree. Unless you, uh, unless you got Ridley Scott to direct it, he would make it work. <laughs> he <laughs> he would make work. it work. Okay, anybody else? But if I could just say, um, but the thing is that I think the two films would at least look too similar to each other to you know release theatrically. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how you could do it. You know, because you'd get that criticism that it would just look the same. Yeah. You know, it wasn't anything new. Actually, I have three questions, and the final one is, are you guys ever going to play Resident Evil Survivor? Because I would just love to hear 
your thoughts on that one. I seriously would. Uh, thank you, and I hope I, you can answer my questions correctly. Bye. Yeah, we'll do that one eventually. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <we will. laughs> I, I, I like maybe I just like submitting myself to torture, but I'm the person who you know watched all the extras on these movies and stuff, and I'm and also the person who's actually written a guide for Survivor. So there you go. Oh There's no way we're doing not next week. No, one no. shit movie, then two shit movies. Not a shit game. <laughs> no. What about Survivor <laughs> Two? No. Oh, no, that's God. even worse. I have that game. Me I'm too. sure you do. Is it yeah, rare? Same. People say it's rare. What? Not really. Just, just it should be. It wasn't this released, wasn't released in, the, in the states. Yeah, I joked to Helen about the films. I said they should have been restricted, to, and so no one could see them to you know, minimize <laughs> the harm done to as many people as possible. Same as that game. It, sh it should never have been released in America. Thankfully, it wasn't. Okay, everyone, so that's going to do it for the RPD Dispatch for this week. Um, for next week, we don't really have anything lined up, so um, hopefully the Resident Evil 5 or Biohazard 5 demo will be hitting, and we can discuss that. Otherwise, I think we're probably going to fall back on some Left 4 Dead discussion, but it'll probably be brief, because only Alzair and I have played it. So, for the RPD Dispatch, I am Dot50Cal. I'm Alzair. I'm the Selfish Gene. I'm Mr. Spencer. And I'm Rombi. We'll see you in two weeks. Hello everyone and welcome to almost Christmas. Fuck! I'm John. I'm John. I still better know is this dispenser. Alright, go ahead again. He also mentions that they'll be playing. Ah! <laughs> he also mentions that they're planning. <laughs> he Sorry. Also... Capcom wins Dead Rising. Alright. A lawsuit said Dead Rising resembled uh, Dawn of the Dead too much, and uh, the court said no. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's no details, this one. Oh, no, Who's like next? No man. No man, this, this should oh, be good. I like the accent. I, think I hope we get something special at the end. I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, let's go. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm a big war buff. I'm a big World War II buff. As all you BMP know. members are. <laughs> I don't remember the BMP. Nope. Well, it wasn't on the list, was it, when I sent it to you? I heard of it. You didn't send it to me. Oh, it yeah, to you, of course. <laughs> I did send it to you. I don't want it anyway. Just uh, one, of the one of the reactions to this is... Uh, Fucking shite! Why only 360? I wonder if the PS3 we can get a demo for this before it comes out. <laughs>